This is Dr. Frank Leon Roberts. And my name is Aldo B. Martin. And this is Finding James Baldwin. It is the spring of 1941, and the United States is approximately seven months away from entering World War II. The war was front and center in the minds of Americans. Although not officially in the war, Americans were taking measures to prepare for it. In the spring of 1941, Westchester County and Suffolk County, two suburban areas to the north and to the east of New York City, coordinated planned blackouts. These blackouts were conducted by civilian defense groups. These groups wanted to ensure that if a wartime blackout were to occur anywhere in the United States, its citizens would be prepared and ready instead of ill-equipped for such an event. All this to say, this is part of what America looked like in the spring of 1941. And it is within this backdrop that young James Baldwin writes another poem in the Magpie entitled Youth. Okay, first of all, I, I love how you arrived with a collection, a collection of, of Baldwin texts. And I love what you, I love you asking me, is it a Bible? <laughs> so Frank was looking at something real quick and I looked and I was like, wait, is that a Bible? And what did you say? It's like one. Might as well be. It's the collected essays. It, so it is a Bible. Right. I, pardon the blasphemy on our part, but it is what it is. It is I, a sacred text for it's sure. so sorry. Matter of fact, it's such a sacred text that... I ain't lending it to nobody. That's it. And shout out to our readers. We urge you to go out and purchase Baldwin's Collected Essays, the Library of America edition, edited by the great Toni Morrison. Ooh. Edited by the great Toni Morrison. You know what? Uh, what I also, if you haven't noticed, in all of our episode descriptions, we have what's, for all intents and purposes, is, is a bibliography. Yeah. Links for you to get what it is that we've seen, what we've heard, right? There's links for, for, for you to understand this, the, the references that Frank is making, because sometimes I need to go back. And <laughs> what vice was that versa, word? brother. What was the word? Iamic pentameter? Uh, but look at you. Look did at I, you did I even it. say it correctly? You said it absolutely. You know you said it correctly, dude. I brother. Because it took a few tries. So I wanted to make sure I landed that, okay? Nailed it. Okay? <laughs> no, but seriously. So he's here with a plethora of James Baldwin texts. And what's what's interesting is that, and this is where I feel proud. I got some of those same books. Mm. So I know I made it. Hey, hey, I'm borrowing yours. I'm like, brother, <laughs> I, can I take, I, I need this off the shelf. If y'all <laughs> saw Brother Aldo's <laughs> Baldwin shelf, oh, man. come on now, with all the major bibliographies. It's by itself. Listen. You see, I got all my books here, but the Baldwin thing, it's by itself. Yeah. It's like, nah, I need this. I need this here. Yeah. Okay. By itself. But anyhow, so we are about to hear, the audience is about to hear another poem, poem called Youth. Yeah. Youth. 
Youth. Beloved, do not warn me of birds too highly flown. Your word is not enough for me. I must have my own. I was young and did not know anything could hurt me so. I was gay and failed to see what there was to torture me. I may be destroyed, but I shall not let this life go by. No, no, destroy these tales of birds too highly flown. Your word is not enough for me. I must have my own. James Baldwin Go ahead. Do it again. Yeah. So, Aldo. Yes, sir. You know, before we move forward in the conversation, I wanted to, again, first of all, commend you and the um, extraordinary uh, hmm. theatrical staff <laughs> you assemble in, in, in staging these pieces. I, you know, I can't, when I listen to these, I can't turn my ear away from the soundtrack in the background. Can you tell me about, like, your choices, your musical choices and the background music and how you've um, brought these poems and short stories and plays to life also through sonic means. Tell me about like the sound of these poems and what were you thinking as you were producing them? Okay, first of all, I never thought anybody would ask me a question <laughs> in which they wanted me to describe how I used sonic means. Yeah. Okay. I grew up playing Street Fighter. Right? Hey. We did Sonic Boom. Ain't Boy, no Sonic okay. means, but that's that's okay. Here we are. Full circle. Full circle. I love music. Mm. I just I just love music. And I I thought it would be a nice touch just to add some musical elements to these pieces. Right? Like why not keep the audience engaged? Why not uh give them something to enjoy listening to? I think Baldwin's works are enough to enjoy, but in a podcast? Why not give it a soundtrack? Oh, absolutely. Why not give it a soundtrack? And so in picking the songs or picking the music, it was all about the mood. It wasn't so much about an instrument. It was just the mood and, and what fit. And I was pleased with the way it came out. Um, I, I don't know if other people are. I, I hope they are, but I'm glad you like it. I'm yeah. glad you like it. And just really quickly, I mean, we can't talk about James Baldwin without talking about uh, the importance of music. No, we um, can't. Baldwin, you know, was great point. You know, and shout out to brother great Ed Palvik, whose fantastic book, "Who Can Afford to Improvise: James Baldwin and Black Music: The Lyric and the Listeners," was really one of the first scholarly texts to um, to do the work of really mapping out this relationship between Baldwin and sound Ooh. and the influence of music. What's the name of this book again? It's called "Who Can Afford to Improvise." And what's the name of the author? Brother Ed Palvik, okay, P A V L I C, brilliant literary scholar who does a great job of thinking about Baldwin and music. And so, music, you know, and Baldwin all throughout his his career is talking about how music got him through. He said he wanted to write stories the he 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 wanted to write the way that Billie Holiday sound sounded. He said, you know, he talks about listening to Fats Waller and um, and Bessie Smith. 
He's in e- Switzerland. He's yeah. even got poems in in uh, in Jimmy's in uh, Jimmy's blues that are dedicated to the likes of Lena Horne. That's right. Right. So there's always there's always this this uh, this. I mean, Sonny's blues. Right. I can't Absolutely. stop talking about Sonny's blues. That's my jam. Okay. Yeah. That's my jam right there. But even that was set through a backdrop of music because it was yeah. literally the blues. Sonny was going through it, yeah. but it was also a musical That's right. reference to That's right. So, That's right. Yeah. I, I, you know what? Great point. I just thought it would be fun to throw in some musical elements. Mm-hmm. And thank you for reminding me that this was a big part of, of, uh, of Baldwin's creation or what it is that he created. But before we discuss the poem, I do got to get a little nerdy, though. Good. We like nerdy here. Because <laughs> my favorite part of the poem is when he says, do not warn me of birds too, f- too highly flown. Yeah. Okay. I, okay. <clears throat> All right. So for the audience, uh, y- y'all could judge me if you want, but at 46 years old, I really don't care. Okay. Mm-mm. I'm a bird watcher, man. Mm. I love birds. Matter of fact, I got a bird app. Okay. Mm-hmm. When I go on my little nature walks and there's a bird I never heard before, or well, I take out my app, let it listen, it'll tell me exactly what it is. Yeah. I'm to the point now if we take if we take a walk here in the northeast, okay, don't have me going southwest because I don't know what y'all got down there. But I could identify birds just through their sound. Mm. Mm. Some birds. Wow. Some birds. I got you know, this that is a, a solid game. twenty, a solid yeah. twenty I can really? But this part here, do not Warn me of birds too highly flown. Man, okay, I'm about to get a little nerdy here, but do you realize that not all birds can fly the same height? Mm-hmm. Did you know that? Did you I consider I, that? I think instinctually I probably assumed that all birds couldn't fly the same height. Because you're in because you're 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 a genius. Okay. That's, hardly that. Hardly <laughs> because you're quite a genius. the opposite. Okay. Quite what, the what's your IQ? What is it? It's uh, in the negatives, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> We were having a conversation about IQ before getting here, but there's some birds like a sparrow can only go but so high, right? Right. Uh, a, a pigeon can only go but so high, right? And if they get to a higher level, then they they'll possibly die. But I just thought that was my favorite part. Okay, so I just wanna I just wanna yeah. say that. But anyway, let's get off that. Let's get off. I love that. that. So, youth. Yeah. This poem to me is about independence and not wanting anyone to tell you what to do which is basically embodies all youth, right? That's, that's what it is. <laughs> like as a kid, mm-hmm. you, 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 you embody that. Right. And, and it's more, and it's also about asserting oneself and allowing experiences to shape you and not necessarily the words and advice of others. That's right. So when he opens the line and he says, beloved, do not warn me of birds too highly flown. Your word is not enough for me. I must have my own. Yes. That's pretty clear to me. Yeah. What are your thoughts? Well, I mean, so, so many things I love about this poem. Um, first, to your point, the emphasis on youth, right? And youth, um, the children, the next generation, um, uh, what in another context Baldwin called the lost generation, is such an essential recurring theme in Baldwin's literary corpus. Baldwin is always talking about young people and has a special investment in in taking care of and providing counsel to and for young people. I mean, we think about um, the the first section of The Fire Next Time, Baldwin's 
1964, uh, 1963 um, literary classic, right? That text begins the the opening is what a long letter to his nephew, literally yeah. entitled "Letter to My Nephew." And in fact, actually want to read um, a passage from there where one of the lines reminds me of it's in kind of dialectic conversation with the last few lines of this poem. So the poem in you, though the last three lines is your word is not enough for me. I must have my own. This is Baldwin writing in 63 um, to his nephew in the first half of the fire. Next time it reads like this, wherever you have turned in your short time on this earth, you may have been told where you could go and what you could do and how you could do it and where you could live and whom you could marry. I know your countrymen do not agree with me about this. And I hear them saying, you exaggerate. They do not know Harlem. And I do. So do you. Take no one's word for anything, including mine, but trust your experience. And so, you know, I immediately think about how Baldwin is always um, asking readers to trust their own experiential knowledge, right? Trust um, what the literary scholar Philip Bryan Harper calls the evidence of felt intuition, which is what your grandmama would simply say, trust your gut. And so we see it here in this poem, right? Where your word is not enough for me. I must have my own. And so we see this early Baldwin talking about the same thing that literary genius Baldwin in The Fire Next Time is telling his nephew, trust your own experience. And that's a word that cuts through literature, that cuts through all of the sort of esoteric conversations and goes back to a real existential piece of wisdom that I think every human being on earth can take from James Baldwin's work. The idea of trust yourself, trust your own experience. It matters. And even in then, there's a bit of a conflict. Mm. So going back to Jimmy's Blues, he wrote a poem called Song for Skip. Mm-hmm. Here's a, here's some lines from that poem. He says, our children are, our children are, our children are, which means that we must be the pillar of clouds by day and the fire by night, the guiding star. So here he's speaking as an elder statesman, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. As, as Unk. Yeah. By the way, let's talk about Unk real quick. All right. Please. Matter of fact, let me make this point. Then I got an Unk story. Okay. Both of us have recently ascended we, to we, Unk status we've as ascended. we both lamented on our ride over. <laughs> we've ascended. No, but here he is speaking about as an elder statesman, saying that it's his responsibility to be the pillar of cloud by day and fire by night. For those who don't understand the reference, that's a biblical reference, and that was when uh, God led His people out of Egypt led the Israelites out of Egypt and he led them as a pillar of cloud by day yeah. and fire by night. Right. So it was, it was a, uh, it was a physical representation of God, at least in, I believe this was the book of Exodus. I'm sorry if I got that wrong. I, I apologize for my mm-hmm. blaspheming nature. Our old Testament scholars out there, please forgive us. The please blasphemy forgive us. Please don't stone us. I'm pretty us. sure it is. <laughs> Please. It's definitely an Old Testament reference, though. Please yeah. don't stone us. Listen, okay? listen, please. The, the Old Testament scholars, they are real with it. Yes, okay? that's it. <laughs> they are real with it. No, but uh, is does that statement, does that conflict with what it is that he's saying, hey, young people, don't listen to nobody, do your own thing. Yeah. 
but him also recognizing that as an elder statesman, it's his responsibility to be a guiding star. Well, I love that. And I love, you know, we joke about Unk, right? When so for readers who are unfamiliar, Unk is, or, you know, is something you find in black uh, urban You spaces. know what? You are such a, you are such a, <laughs> an author. You continually refer to the audience as readers. Oh, am I doing that? Listen, that's right. Instead it's all of listeners. Good. It's all good. Oh my gosh. Listen, Thank you for nah, listen, that to nah, my I'm just saying, just You're to so let right. the audience know. Yeah. My man's a scholar. Okay. This is what he's doing. He writes more than he talks. Okay. Anyway, go whether on. Whether the whether whether the writing ever sees the light of day is a whole nother <laughs> lament. But uh, lament. Audi- audience, right? That um, you know, Unk, uh, in black spaces in particular, right? That's what we're really talking about. Yeah. Unk is a figure, right? And yeah. so, and when you reach a certain age as a black man, oh man, right? You will unexpectedly, um. Uh, you know, whether you like it or not, mm-hmm. you will be referred to as Unc. And so we short, were, short for uncle, short for uncle. Mm-hmm. The point I'm making is that um, how many times have we referred to Baldwin? How many times have we heard Baldwin referred to as Uncle Jimmy? Mm-hmm. Right. And that this trope of Uncle Jimmy mm-hmm. really is about Baldwin's beloved status as a statesman, even in I mean, quite literally, he is writing as the uncle to his nephew yeah. in the fire next yeah. time. Yeah. Today, you know, his nieces and nephews, people like Trevor Baldwin, his nephew, uh, is always talking about Uncle Jimmy. So there is something about Uncle Jimmy <laughs> that lives in the imagination of contemporary readers of Baldwin. And so yeah. I think I love staying there. But also, to your point about the theme of the children and being beholden to them, this is these are the final lines of Nothing Personal, um, his collaboration with that classmate Richard Avedon. Um, or he says famously, for nothing is fixed forever and forever and forever. So here we see the shades of our children, our children, our children, the repetition. It is not fixed. The earth is always shifting. The light is always changing. The sea does not cease to grind down rock. Generations do not cease to be born. And we are responsible to them because we are the only witnesses they have. The sea rises. The light fails. Lovers cling to each other and children cling to us. So this recurring theme of Uncle Jimmy concerned about the status of our children and what kind of world we will leave them is so Baldwinian. Right. And we can see even 17 year old Baldwin had a lot of Uncle Jimmy in him. Right. This concerned about the status of youth children, what will happen next. And also that irreverent, that irreverent spirit of don't tell me what to do. Don't tell me what to do. I've got to trust my own experience. <clears throat> don't tell me what to do. And, and there's actually a callback on that mm. because I, 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 I read to you that, that, uh, the excerpt from that poem song for skip, where he wrote as an older man, where he, 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 he recognizes that he, he needs to be an elder statesman as a, as a pillar for, for the younger people. But in the same book, he has another poem called mirrors. For David. Oh, yeah. 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 And in this one, you see that Baldwin still maintains that rebelliousness yeah. that he wrote about in youth. That's right. And here's here's a line from that poem. And he wrote this for his brother David. Although you know what's best for me, I cannot act on what you see. I wish I could. I really would, and joyfully act out my salvation with your imagination. Mm. So even as an older man. 
mm-hmm. he's still maintaining this rebelliousness where it's like, yeah, I must have my own. That's right. Which is what he he said in uh, in um, in youth. But I do want to get to something though. Yeah, we mentioned it before. Unk, <laughs> you and I have been referred to as Unk. Yes, we have at different parts in our life, and each time it was a. I'd love to hear your story. Do you mind if I go first? Please. I need to get this off my chest. Yeah. <laughs> the unk narratives begin now. <laughs> the unk confessions. The unk confessions. Mm-hmm. Man, I'm in the barbershop. And I've been going to this barbershop for like 30 years. Right? 30 years. And it's really like the Coming to America barbershop. Yeah. It really is. It really is. I'll show you some pictures of it. So I'm sitting in there. And 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 there's a guy in the chair, and then there's another guy uh, sitting to my left, and we're talking about raising children, right? Because yeah. this younger guy has has a daughter, and he's talking to her about um, teaching her to read and all this other stuff, and 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 play dates and all that. And my kids are older; my kids are now teenagers. Mm-hmm. So you know, I'm I'm asking, I'm telling him, you know, my 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 views or my experiences in in raising children. And the conversation's going great. It's a regular barbershop. It's not an argument. It's just people just chiming in. Yeah. And then young homie goes, yo, unk, let me ask you a question. <laughs> and I said, whoa, whoa, hold up. Right. Time out. <laughs> Pause. When did it. I become unk? I love it. He goes, no, nah, I meant no disrespect. I said, none taken. Yeah. I just want to know. When did, when did that transition transition occur unbeknownst to me? And who didn't tell me? That's right, right, unbeknownst to me. Right. And so when I came home and I told my wife about it, she was laughing. And I said, listen, young lady, clearly the young man called me unk because of the the the, the knowledge I was kicking. Yeah. And she yeah. goes, you sure it wasn't because of your gray hair? Yeah. I said, you're doing that too much. Too. That too, possibly. <laughs> you're doing too much. Yeah. So yes, that's when I became unk yeah. and, and I walked out. And you know when it happened? On my birthday. Oh, so you were feeling particularly aged. <laughs> you were like, God damn. Particularly aged. Unk. Yo, on my birthday. Yeah. I got it real. It was so it was so smooth the way it happened. I was buying watermelon of all stereotypical <laughs> activities a black man could be engaged in. Where were you buying this watermelon? On 125. So it, the stereotypes continue, but they're joyous. I'm so joyful in my recounting of that of that stereotypical experience. Yes, I was buying watermelon on 125th Street. Yellow the watermelon. Central Harlem. The, the heart of Harlem. Right. On Fifth Avenue. Right. Fifth and 125th. Right. Which has a particular kind of location in Baldwin's literary imagination. Baldwin grew up on Fifth Avenue, what he called the other Fifth Avenue. So I'm on Fifth Ave and I'm buying... Uh, yellow watermelon yeah. Uh, with the seeds in it. And I'm passing the money to this young brother. And he just says, um, appreciate you, Unc. And I also, like you, it, when you hear it for the first time, when you think you're young in your mind and you are reminded in that moment that the world does not see you that way, they don't. it's like this, I had that moment of existential crisis like where I went blank stared. I'm like, how did I become Unc? But what I love about the Unc moment, right? Is it really is a coming of age experience for a black man? It is a term of endearment in our community, absolutely. And how it again, how it sim- quite simply comes back to Baldwin is that Baldwin was and is even today the quintessential uncle figure because we think about unks in terms of how that phrase travels in our black urban context. 
people listen to their uncles and aunties in ways that they don't listen to mom and dad, right? So the unk figure in the black community uncle, has a certain access. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. It is, it is a term of endearment that refers to a man of wisdom who is not one's father, right? <laughs> Which means you, there is a willingness to listen to those people. And who better than James Baldwin? To occupy that space. So shout out to all of the unks, past and forthcoming, those in the making. We 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 praise our our patron saint, Uncle Jimmy, as the one who is the best for us to model after. Shout out to the unks and shout out to the youth. Mm-hmm.